This recording is intended to be used as an educational resource for healthcare providers. It is in no way a substitute for the independent decision making and judgment of a qualified healthcare professional. It should not be used to make a diagnosis or to overrule the advice of a qualified healthcare provider, nor should it be used to provide advice for emergency medical treatment. Evaluation of the chest radiograph in children with known or suspected heart disease by Dr. George Taylor. My name is George Taylor from the Department of Radiology at Boston Children's Hospital and in this session we're going to be talking about how to evaluate the chest radiograph in children with known or suspected heart disease. We will be following a systematic approach to the evaluation of the chest x-ray focusing on the heart the pulmonary vasculature, airway, the situs of the abdomen and the chest, and bony abnormalities. Heart. In terms of the heart, we need to look at the size of the heart and, whenever possible, the presence of specific chamber enlargement. The factors that generally increase heart size are increased volume within the heart, obstruction to that specific chamber, pump failure, pericardial diseases, and associated uh, heart or mediastinal masses. Here, our first child, we have an eight-month-old who presents with cyanosis and a murmur, and we see that there is diffuse cardiomegaly, but specific enlargement of the right atrium. The atrium is bulging laterally, and on the lateral view, we can see that the right atrium also extends behind the trachea. This is a congenital abnormality of the tricuspid valve with enlargement of the right atrium, atrialization of the right ventricle, and often associated with decreased pulmonary vascularity. Here is another child with a large heart, a 14-year-old who presents with fever, arthralgias, and shortness of breath, who has rheumatic fever. In this child with mitral valve disease, we can see enlargement of the right atrium, with enlargement of the right atrial appendage as well, and displacement of the posterior heart border behind the trachea, which is a good sign of left atrial enlargement. This six-month-old with respiratory distress has diffuse cardiomegaly and underinflated chest as the result of a dilated cardiomyopathy. In this situation, looking at specific chamber enlargement in a an infant can be very, very difficult. This eight-year-old presenting with shortness of breath has a globular-looking heart. It's enlarged, but the contours are slightly different in that they more resemble a bag full of water rather than specific chamber enlargement. So when we see a child with a large heart, we need to consider the possibility that either the heart is enlarged or there is fluid surrounding the heart so that the shadow of the heart looks much bigger than it normally is. Here the same child is shown after a drainage catheter has been put in the pericardium and you can see a marked difference in the size of the heart. Lung vasculature. When we look at pulmonary vasculature in children with suspected or known heart disease, we need to look at the extent of pulmonary vascularity, whether it's normal, increased, or decreased. There are a number of diseases that decrease pulmonary vascularity and they're almost always associated with cyanosis. The most common 
cause is that of significant pulmonary artery narrowing. And that is often seen with tetralogy of Fallot or pulmonary atresia or stenosis, but can be a part of any complex congenital heart disease with pulmonary narrowing. It can also be seen with right atrial obstruction in infants with tricuspid atresia or Epstein's anomaly, and it can be an acquired condition in children with pulmonary artery hypertension, especially those who develop the Eisenmenger complex. Here is a newborn who presents with deep cyanosis, respiratory distress, and a murmur. And on initial inspection, we can see that the heart is large. It is, um, has a very prominent um, ventricular border. And if we focus on the lungs, the lungs are very black. We can't see any pulmonary markings at all. This is not because the child has a pneumothorax it's because the pulmonary vascularity is markedly diminished. A enlargement of the left hemithorax shows you that there are hardly any blood vessels that can be seen in the left lung. This is the result of a child that has tetralogy of Fallot with severe infundibular narrowing and decreased pulmonary vascularity. Diseases that increase pulmonary vascularity are almost always related to left to right shunts and the most common ones are atrial septal defects, ventricular septal defects, patent ductus arteriosus, and atrioventricular canal. Here we have a three-month-old who presents with respiratory distress and a heart murmur. And we see on the frontal and the lateral x-ray that there is marked cardiomegaly that is involving multiple chambers of the heart. The lungs are hyperinflated with very flat diaphragms on the lateral view, and the pulmonary vessels are very easy to see. In fact, they're fuzzy and indistinct, suggesting that there is pulmonary venous or pulmonary vascular congestion. This child also has increased pulmonary vascularity. One of the ways of identifying increased pulmonary vascularity is to identify a bronchus on end, here shown as a circle. And the blood vessel that's immediately adjacent to that bronchus is the pulmonary artery. And we look at the size of the pulmonary artery in relation to the bronchus. If the pulmonary artery is bigger than the bronchus, then we have at least a two to one left to right shunt. If the pulmonary artery is the same size as the bronchus, then the pulmonary vascularity is normal or the shunt is less than two to one. If the vessel on the other hand is smaller than the bronchus, we have diminished pulmonary vascularity. This child has a left to right shunt as the result of an atrioventricular canal. It is also important to pay attention to how the pulmonary vascularity changes with time. Here is a child with an untreated atrioventricular canal who at four years of age has cardiomegaly and increased pulmonary vascularity. If you look at the right pulmonary artery, it is enlarged and you can see increased pulmonary vessels arising from that pulmonary artery. Over time, he developed pulmonary hypertension and at six years of age, the central pulmonary artery is still enlarged, but the peripheral pulmonary vasculature is diminished. It's a term called pruning of the pulmonary vasculature that is associated with pulmonary hypertension. This child developed the Eisenmenger syndrome 
related to secondary pulmonary hypertension. Pulmonary venous congestion and edema is another feature of the pulmonary vascularity that is important to pay attention to. The three main things that cause pulmonary venous congestion are obstructed pulmonary venous return, and that is often seen with total anomalous pulmonary venous return that is obstructed, or pulmonary vein stenosis or atresia, and other causes of left-sided uh, obstruction, such as core triatriatum or mitral atresia or stenosis. It can also be seen with left ventricular obstruction or dysfunction, such as hypoplastic left heart or critical aortic stenosis, patients with cardiomyopathy or severe coarctation of the aorta. And finally, it can be seen with children who have large left to right shunts with congestive failure. Here are two patients with pulmonary venous congestion and edema. The patient on the left side is a three month old that we have seen before. This child has increased pulmonary vascularity, cardiomegaly, and pulmonary venous congestion. This child has an atrioventricular canal. The vessels look as if they were drawn with a crayon rather than with a sharp pencil. That is the, the feature of pulmonary vascular congestion. The second patient has a similar pattern, except that the, the markings in the lungs are much finer and more interstitial. These increased linear markings extend all the way to the pulmonary edge and um, are associated with pulmonary venous obstruction. This child has a total anomalous pulmonary venous return that is obstructed below the diaphragm. Here I've included a CT venogram showing how the pulmonary veins, rather than joining the left atrium, join a vertical vein that courses under the diaphragm and joins the ductus venosus. And you'll notice that there is a mild obstruction below the diaphragm. There is also um, asymmetry of pulmonary vasculature that one needs to consider. And the causes of asymmetric pulmonary vascularity that we can see are pulmonary stenosis or hypoplasia, pulmonary venous obstruction, or postoperative changes. Here we have a six-month-old with single ventricle who had a Glen shunt, which is a superior vena cava to right pulmonary artery stent. We can see that there is marked asymmetry in the pulmonary vascularity with more vascularity in the right lung than the left lung. And this is related to the fact that Glen shunts shunt almost 70% of the blood to the right side compared to the left. Here we can see a venous catheter that has actually crossed from the superior vena cava into the right lower lobe pulmonary artery. I would like to have you focus on the course of the right-sided venous catheter. It goes down the superior vena cava and exits to the right, here shown by the arrow. A magnified view shows that this catheter is actually in the inferior right pulmonary artery as the result of the Glen shunt connecting the superior vena cava to the pulmonary artery circulation. Here is another child who presents with focal abnormal pulmonary vascularity. She is 21 years old and presents with mild hypoxemia. And on the chest x-ray, in general, the pulmonary vascularity is symmetrical. But if we look in the right lower lobe, we see that there is an abnormal vessel 
coursing from lateral to medial and seems to dive down below the diaphragm. This is a child who has partial anomalous pulmonary venous return, here shown in the MR venogram, where the abnormal right lower lobe pulmonary vein joins directly with the inferior vena cava and joins the right atrium. Airway and mediastinum. The airway and mediastinum are also very important in evaluating patients with potential heart disease. We need to evaluate the trachea for possible displacement or narrowing, and the position of the aortic arch is very important because patients with congenital heart disease may present with a right aortic arch, a double arch, dilatation of the arch, or constriction of the um, descending aorta depending on the patient's pathology. This 20-month-old presented with acute onset of Strider, and we can see that the trachea on the frontal film, rather than being slightly to the right of midline, is to the left of midline and is mildly displaced by a structure to the right side. On the lateral view, the trachea is anteriorly displaced by a structure running posterior to it. This is a child with a right aortic arch and aberrant left subclavian causing a vascular ring. Here we have an asymptomatic five-year-old who presents to his pediatrician for a checkup and his blood pressure in the upper extremities is high. Now in a 50-year-old, the mild uncoiling of the ascending aorta would be a normal finding. However, in a five-year-old, this is a highly abnormal finding that is seen with bicuspid aortic valve or aortic stenosis. This child had both, had a congenital aortic stenosis related to a bicuspid aortic valve. Bony abnormalities. Bony anomalies are also very important to pay attention to because they can be signs of underlying heart disease. And here we need to focus on the vertebrae, the ribs, and on occasion the sternum because sternal abnormalities are often associated with cyanotic heart disease. Here we have a 13-year-old who also presents with hypertension. And very much like the prior chest x-ray that we were just seeing, there is some mild uncoiling of the thoracic aorta. When we focus on the ribs, we notice that there is inferior rib notching in a number of ribs on the left side. When we look at the ribs on the right side, there is a milder version of this rib notching. This is due to coarctation of the aorta and multiple collaterals that course along the inferior surface of the ribs, and the pulsatility causes notching and um, pressure erosion of the ribs. We can also see, if we focus on the descending aorta, that there is a focal constriction of the aortic arch, here represented by A3. At the same level, there is a focal constriction related to the aortic coarct and the postenotic dilatation. Here we see it without the three overlying it, again focusing on the postenotic dilatation. Situs of chest and abdomen. Finally, situs is a very important part of evaluating the chest x-ray. 
and we have three different possibilities. Situs solidus, which is the normal situation. Situs inversus, where everything is completely reversed, and this has about a 2% risk of having associated congenital heart disease, and patients with heterotaxy, where the cardiac apex and the abdominal viscera may be variable and different. Here we have on the left side of the screen, situs solidus, where we have the stomach bubble shown by the arrow being in the normal left-sided position, and it is in the same side of the patient as the cardiac apex. On the other hand, we have a child with heterotaxy where we have the stomach on the normal left side but the cardiac apex on the right side. So this is highly associated with complex congenital heart disease. So we've covered a systematic approach to the patient with known or suspected heart disease, looking at heart size and location, evaluating the pulmonary vascularity for an increase, a decrease, asymmetry, and abnormal vessels. We've looked at the airway size and displacement or compression by abnormal vessels. We've looked at situs solitus or heterotaxy, and we've looked at some of the bony abnormalities that can be seen. Thank you. This recording is a production of Open Pediatrics, a free and open access resource for pediatric clinicians worldwide. For more pediatric care materials or to join our global community, please visit our website at openpediatrics.org.